0: Hey, real quick, here's why I'm excited about the, the few minutes that I get to share with you guys this weekend is I want to introduce or maybe reintroduce you to two words that could change everything. Two words that, if we get them like deep down inside our soul, could change how we view God, how we talk to God, how we view our family, how we view our parents, how we view our kids, how we view our boss, how we view our neighbors. It could change our outlook on everything. But here's the deal. To get to those two words, we're going to have to meet 10 men. So everybody say two words. Ten men. Ten men. Here's where we find him, Luke 17, verse 11. So now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Now, uh, we're gonna journey with these guys for a few minutes here um, today, Uh, but here's kind of where the context gets established. If you know the geography, Jesus is kind of traversing through no man's land, right? He's going between Samaria and Israel. Samaritans are the half-breeds. These guys are the arch enemies of the Jews. Nobody wants, no good Jewish boy wants to go into Samaria. So Jesus is doing what Jesus does best. He's like poking the sleeping dog. He's always trying to drive some of the religion out of his followers. He's going where they shouldn't be going. And on the outskirts of town, Jesus meets the outcast, right? The outcasts are always on the outskirts. And he meets these 10 men who we find out very quickly have what's called leprosy. Now here's the deal. I know, especially if you're a church person like me, I grew up in church my whole life. You've heard leprosy. This was a big deal back then. You don't hear about leprosy very often uh, today. Don't do it right now. But if you're really curious, go home later and Google Hansen's disease because that's what it's called now. Don't, don't do it right now because you'll just get grossed out and just get a little queasy right now. Um, but here, here's, the, here's the deal. We, we've heard of leprosy. We've read of leprosy. You maybe even seen it like in your little Sunday school lessons or something like that. But none of it does any justice to what leprosy actually was because here's what, le- what happened when you got leprosy. It was a bacteria that began affecting the nervous system. And so what happened was over time, um, you, you steadily degraded in your sensitivity to the point where you actually lost all feeling. Where for us, you know, where if you in to actually accidentally like touch something hot, like you actually accidentally reach your hand into a fire, you're gonna immediately pull it back, but not a leper. They wouldn't even notice it was happening where one of us would, you know, as you're walking, you get like a little rock in your shoe. And so you're gonna sit down for a second, pull your shoe off, get the rock out, put it back on. They don't know they have a rock in their shoe. And so they walk all day and wear a hole in their foot and then affection comes in. It begins to affect the circulation. And so what you would actually see is lepers would have shriveled hands. It would get inside the eyes and they would go blind. Tumors would would begin forming on the face. Um, it, uh, it got into the teeth and many times your teeth would fall out, it got into your vocal cords. And so you have a raspy voice like that. But probably worse than all of that was that nobody would touch you, you were untouchable. Because at this time they saw it as contagious. Right? And so uh, the, these guys, as soon as they found out that they had leprosy, they immediately lost their business. They immediately lost their home. You can't kiss your wife goodbye. You can't say goodbye to your kids. You're gone. Like you are, you are gone now. You sit at the out, outside of town. You just get to watch everybody else live their life because no longer is anybody gonna talk to you. Nobody wants to eat with the leper. Nobody wants to hug the leper. Nobody wants to touch the leper. You're gone. And Jesus meets these 10 men who will no longer experience touch again in their life. And the deal is with most diseases, I mean, the most diseases are so bad because of the pain. Leprosy is so bad because of the opposite. There is no pain. In fact, there's nothing. All there is is numbness. The outcast. In fact, if some of us were really honest today, maybe we share a little bit more with these guys than we would like to own up to. Numb, outcast, untouchable. But then Jesus comes to town. Can we say amen again? (laughs) How many of you know that everything can change when Jesus comes to town? How many of you know that five minutes with Jesus is better than a million church services, better than a million hours of counseling, come on, better than a billion small group meetings, Five minutes with Jesus can change absolutely everything. Here it is. Let's pick it back up in the end of uh, verse 12 and verse 13. They stood at a distance, these 10 men, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Another translation says, have mercy on us. And I think pity's a good word. Pity's better than what these guys were used to. They were used to fear, which is probably what the disciples are feeling at this moment. They're like, Jesus, don't. I know you're like getting close to people. Do not touch these guys. Like you're, you already got a bad enough reputation. Whatever you do, don't make us touch the lepers. Like Jesus, can we just keep on moving? But the problem is everywhere Jesus goes, his reputation has preceded him. And so the lepers just know this, like if anybody can change anything about our situation, Jesus can do it. Jesus can change my life in an absolute instant. I may be untouchable. I may have to ring bells everywhere that I go. I may have to burn incense. I may have to scream out, unclean, unclean, unclean. But Jesus could change all that in just a minute. So Jesus, master, rabbi, teacher, have pity, have mercy on me. And in verse 14, Jesus says this. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, here's the deal, guys. I know, like, don't skip past this. Don't skip past this. There's, there's always background when, whenever you feel something really weird right there because here, here's what's happening is Leviticus 14, Old Testament. Uh, Moses had laid this out that whenever anybody got supernaturally, like by the finger of God healed, they were to go back to the priest and they would present themselves to the priest And the priest would examine them and find out if they actually were were healed or not. And if they were, they would do this kind of like cleansing ritual sort of thing. And then they would reintegrate them back into society. So I love this. I love this. I love this. When Jesus says, hey, go show yourself to the priest, what he's actually saying is you're healed. You're healed. Now, here's where this story gets crazy, guys, because I don't know what you guys would have done. But Jesus looks at these guys, covered head to toe in leprosy, been outcast, been numb for probably decades, got tumors all over their face, can't feel anything. He looks at them and says, hey, go back and show yourselves to the priest. And then they do it. They just like, okay. they just, just turn around and start walking back into town before they had ever even felt one ounce of healing. Before there was one speck of evidence in their body, they obeyed. Get this guys, get this. This is so so big, this is so easy to miss. They moved before their miracle. They moved before they saw the evidence of what Jesus had ever actually said would happen in their life. They just went and did it. Here's the deal. I know most of us, we would be like, "Uh, Jesus, that doesn't make sense. Do it my way but here's actually what they do. They say, Jesus, that doesn't make sense, but we'll do it your way. I think most of us probably would have argued with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I know we're church people. We're like, no, I would never argue with Jesus. Come on guys. These guys completely covered in leprosy. Go show yourself to the priest. I probably would have been like, no, no. I think I'm just gonna stay right here. Then when I get healed, I'll go show myself to the priest. Like when it's all said and done, because here's the deal. Yes, go show yourselves to the priest if you're completely healed. But don't you bring your, your blind, tumor-filled, contagious face back to town around all the clean people unless you've been touched by the finger of God. But these guys move before they see the miracle. They walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, what, I mean, come on guys, that, that's not what we do. Can we just be honest about that for a second? That's not what we do. What we do is we say, God, I'll worship you when I feel better. God, okay, can we, can we hit, hit really close to life? Um, ladies, God, God, I'll move out of my boyfriend's house when you provide me the money. God, okay, I don't, I don't know if CJ talks like this, but I do, sorry. Um, God, I'll stop looking at porn when you send me a wife or when my wife starts acting like this. See, we wait for the miracle to obey, but could it be, could it be, what if our miracle is on the other side of our obedience? There was one person who tried to clap. I love it, it's fine, I acknowledge it, it's awesome, I'm used to it, it's good. What if our miracle is on the other side of our obedience? Come on, but that's not what most of us do. We want the miracle, then I'll obey. But God says, no, no, no. What if the miracle is actually after you obey? And we're both in a waiting game. We're waiting on God, but he's waiting on us. And God invites us, and here's the, let me just say this, guys. I don't know what God's told you to do, but do it. Without conditions, without conditions. Listen, be like Peter, man, get out of the boat. Can't walk on water unless you get out of the boat, right? I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I don't don't care if he called you to do something ridiculous, right? Of course, run through scripture, make sure sure it's not heresy. (laughs) Um, But then do it. There is no better, safer, amazing, life-filled place than to be smack dab in the middle of the will of God. What if our miracle is on the other side of our movement? Just start moving and then let God do his deal. But we can't be static any longer. And it shows us that in verse 14. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, as they moved, the miracle broke out. Guys, I love that. I just, I, I'm very vivid in, in, with my imagination. So I, I imagine these guys, like the, the 10 of them are like walking back, right? They're going to show themselves to the priests. There were, some of them are maybe like, is this real? Like, should we really be doing this? And then all, all of a sudden, one of them's like, hey, hey, hey guys, hold up just a second. I got, I got a rock stuck in my shoe. My, my foot hurts. <laughs> Wait, my foot hurts. Praise God, my foot hurts. And then another guy's like, I can see that your foot hurts. I have eyeballs again. Another guy's like, Oh, yeah, my my shoulder. Oh, I have a hand. He starts rubbing his face and the tumors start coming off of his face. All the guys are freaking out. All all 10 of them get healed. All 10 of them start hugging. All 10 of them start screaming. And nine of them start running back into town. And there's one who's left standing. One, the one who just got his face back. The one who just got his hands back. In fact, I came across this picture about a decade ago and I couldn't stop looking at it. It's gripped me so much. I have, I have this painting in my office. See, there are nine that are moving, yet there's one who's just paralyzed with the awe of God. What just happened? Nine of them are looking at the city. One of them's looking back at the healer. And this man is thinking, I just see it in his eyes. This man is thinking, yeah, I could go with him into town. I could show myself to the priest's. I could meet my wife again. I could be back with my kids again. I, I, could, I could be back in my job again. I could be reintegrated back into society again. But I can't do any of it until I go back to say thank you. Until I go back to say thank you. Verse 15. Verse 15, one of them when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And by the way, he was a Samaritan. <laughs> I love the Bible. By the way, just wanna throw in this little detail. Have you, have you ever been around somebody that like in, in the Holy Ghost, like, like Pentecostal circles, they would say, he done got the Holy Ghost? You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's this guy. This guy's like, don't, 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 Can we have the keys? Don't, 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 don't. Like, this guy's losing his mind. You gotta imagine an outcast, untouchable leper, no face, hands, can't see. All of a sudden, the finger of God through Jesus Christ touches him, saves his life, saves his soul, saves his body, brings him back into, into life. He can feel again. The leprosy of the body and the leprosy of the soul has been cured because of Jesus Christ. This guy's life goes from black and white into vivid color. He comes alive. And his first action isn't to go back and just do all the stuff. Isn't to go back into his life. Isn't to go back over here. No, his first action is to turn around and to go back and to fall at the feet of the healer and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it's here, guys, that we meet our two words that I think that if we meet them once again, they could change everything about our lives. Two words, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, God, for how you've revolutionized my life. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And by the way, he was a Samaritan which means he was the last guy who should have done it. That means the other nine were Jews. That means the other nine grew up in church. That means the other nine had probably seen some miracles here and there. They kind of knew what to look for. This guy wasn't even looking for a miracle. He woke up that morning and it was just another day. He didn't even think God loved him. He didn't think that God cared about him. This guy got sideswiped by the mercy and the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. And he's the one who goes running back. He doesn't know the Christianese. He doesn't know the Sunday school lessons. He He probably doesn't even know who Moses is. He just runs back. He says, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The least likely out of all of them. Maybe as we, as regular church people, we could learn a lesson from somebody who didn't even know God, but he had been touched by the grace of God. And this overwhelming gratitude consumed his life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Verse 17. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Has no one returned to give praise to God? Can you still even, can you hear that challenge today? Has no one returned to give praise to God? Here, here, here's, you wanna know what's really scary about this? Jesus notices who's thankful and who's not. Jesus notices when somebody comes back to say thank you. Jesus notices who it is. Jesus knows who should have been the first ones to come back. He said, "Has nobody else come back to praise God? Has nobody else come back to say thank you to God except the one who was the least likely out of all of them? And he came back to say thank you. And I think here's where we have to pause because here's where it really hits home. We have to ask this question, guys. Where are the other nine? Well, they're showing themselves to the priest. Okay. Why aren't they back with Jesus? Because they don't need Jesus anymore. They already got from him what they wanted. I got healed. Now I'm on my way. One came back to say, thank you. The other nine went on with their lives. And if I can be super honest, this is an attitude I still see today, even in my own church, even in my own life. Jesus, give me money. Jesus, give me miracles. Jesus, deliver me from demons. Jesus, heal my body. Jesus, change my family Jesus give me that promotion at work. But don't expect worship. No, no, I want you to This is a one-way relationship, Jesus. You give to me. I don't give anything back to you. Why would I do that? I already have what I already have the God stuff now. Why would I do even more God stuff? I already have I don't need to come, I don't need to pray anymore. I already got everything I was ever asking for. I don't need to say thank you because you already did the stuff back then. I'm good. I'm just kind of riding this thing out. These are the takers. These are the people who come in, say a sinner's prayer, are forgiven of the leprosy of the soul and then treat it like a common thing. These are the people who get healed on a Sunday morning and sleep with their girlfriend on Sunday night. These are the people who pray, God, God, please put my marriage back together and then a year later have an affair. They're the takers. And if I can be really honest, there's a little bit of taker in all of us, myself included. And one of the most dangerous things of our soul, guys, is to encounter the overwhelming, amazing, gracious, Love, kindness of God and to never say thank you. Just kind of go on our way. And I've determined this about my life. I've determined that this is, I've determined this about my life. I wanna be the one who goes back to say thank you. I wanna be the one who goes back. Listen, if that painting's up there, listen, the other, I, I, I don't know about the other nine. I don't know about everybody else, but listen, As far as me and my house are concerned, we're gonna thank God. We're gonna praise God. We're gonna live for God. I don't know about everybody else, but I do know about me and my house. I wanna be the one who goes back to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for my church. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for my wife. Thank you, Jesus, for my sons. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me and saving me and cleansing me and making me new. Thank you, Jesus, that you put breath back in my lungs again this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for this church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What would happen if we actually became a thankful people again? What would it look like? Come on, Northview, what would it look like? And no matter what was happening in our lives, I know this, I can always find something to complain about. Just go to Twitter for five minutes. <laughs> you, were, you were feeling good. <laughs> and then you got in the comment section. Get out, stay out of the comment section, by the way. I can always sit back and complain about the things that I don't have and, and, and what's wrong with life. But what would happen if we actually started thanking God for the things that we do have and what's right with life? How much would that transform our outlook on who we are and everything around us? Because so many of us, for always, the glass is half full. What would happen if we actually just started waking up every single morning and say, God, thank you for another day. Thank you for the breath of my lungs. Thank you, God, for another day. I don't know about the other night. You may not even know about your neighbor, but as far as me and my house are concerned, we're gonna thank God. We're gonna thank God. So what does it look like to thank God? Let me walk through this real quickly. Three, three ideas. How do we say thank you? We say thank you with our love. We say thank you with our love. I say thank you, God, by having a heart that's passionate about him. I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, all my mind. I wanna have a passionate heart for God. I do not wanna be lukewarm for the one whose eyes are on fire for me. Come on, I was just reading Revelation 1 to my sons again this last week and John sees Jesus, resurrected Jesus with his eyes blazing like fire. I don't wanna be lukewarm for that king. I want to have a love for God the same way that God loves me. And I know that's impossible, but I wanna be able to grasp how wide and high and deep and radical is the love of God for me. And I just wanna mirror that back. Every opportunity I have, I wanna say, God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. When was the last time you said, God, I love you? Come on, that's, that's, that's where it begins, having a heart that just overflows out of the innermost place of who we are, out of the belly. God, I love you. Having a heart. This is why we pray. This is why we read our Bibles. This is why we fast, right? Because what I wanna do, I wanna put my cold, icy heart in front of the bonfire of God's love. And let him melt me. Let him melt all the icy hard places of who I am. Take out a heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh, make me new again. God, I wanna have a heart that loves you. One of the ways that I love God is by refusing to stay in a place that doesn't love God. Right. Listen, if you're in a place, you're not always gonna feel this love, but listen, one of the ways that you do show your love for God is like, God, I'm gonna start fighting, clawing, praying, reading, fasting, doing whatever I gotta do to get out of this complacent state. Because I wanna have a heart that feels again. God, I don't wanna live in a leprous heart sort of a way that's numb towards the things of God. In fact, if you remember, there there was this one moment when when Jesus was at this this dinner, right? And this prostitute comes in, it's right towards the very end and washes his feet with her tears and dries them with her hair and pours out basically her life's inheritance on his feet. And the the, the religious leaders all up in arms about this. And and Jesus says this, he who loves much or he, he who's forgiven much loves much. And what he's basically saying is this, is our awareness of how much we've sinned and therefore how much we've been forgiven will determine how much we love. And therefore it's not this thing guys, because here, here's, what, here's what we do, right? We're like, well, I didn't murder anybody this week. Right, you know, like I, I, I haven't had that many affairs. Like I, I didn't do that many sort of things. And it's not like my, I'm like a level two sinner, but that guy's like a level 10 sinner. And let me tell you, if you're a level two sinner, you will worship like a level two sinner. And what Jesus is trying to say is, guys, we're all level 10 sinners. All of us, every single one of us is worthy of hell. Every, our sins have separated us from the grace of God. And if it wasn't for, for the kindness of God that he so loved the world that he sent his son, every single one of us would be lost in ever most lasting darkness. But God has saved us. And if we can understand that, we will have a love that just begins to come out. And what Jesus is saying right here at the dinner table is, is the greatest worshipers are always the greatest sinners. So if you, if you worship really big, I know what you've done. <laughs> Cause you've been forgiven and you can't hold it in. And how why do I say thank you? I have thank you by this love that just can't hold its way on the inside. Oh, it has to come out. Oh, I love you, God. Thank you, God. How do I say thank you? I say thank you with my love. Second things, I say thank you with my life. So our, our thank you can't help but to spill over into our life. So very simply, John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. So one of the greatest ways we could ever say, thank you God for what you've done is by echoing what John the Baptist said, is saying that I must decrease so he can increase. Like one of the greatest ways we could ever say thank you to God is not going our way, but going his way. It's saying, God, I I wanna do this sin so bad, (sighs) but I'm gonna die to that because you saved me, you cured me, you've healed me, you've made me new. So I want my life to say thank you. I want every aspect of my life to say thank you, God. We say thank you by choosing the good and refusing the evil. We say thank you. Listen, you you say thank you by how you love your spouse. You say thank you to God by how you work your job because your working is unto the Lord. You say thank you to God by how you parent your kids. You say thank you to God by what you look at and what you don't look at, what you touch and what you don't touch. You say thank you to God with your whole life. Maybe some of you, your, your thank you to God is showing up at a service on a weekend. That's awesome. But it also has to spill out there, right? I We say thank you to God all the time. I want my whole life to scream, thank you, God, so we say thank you, God. Thank you with our love. We say thank you with our life. The third thing is this: we say thank you with our lips. We say thank you with our lips. So I, th- I thank God by sharing my faith. Now I know some of us listen. I know I know the oldest thing. I've been a, I've been a Christian long enough. I know we love saying like, oh, well, I don't I don't like use my words. I do lifestyle evangelism. <laughs> That's great, man. Here's the question: Is it working? Is it working? Like are people like left and right coming to faith because like you put your shopping cart back at Home Depot or whatever, you know i Like, like you tracking with, so hey man, if it's working, do more of it, like keep going. But there comes a point where you just have to talk about the cross. You have to talk about the fact that the tomb is empty. You have to talk about the love of God and the grace of God and the truth of God. There comes a time where you just have to speak. That's one of the ways that I say, thank you, God, is by telling others about who he is. I I say, thank you, God, by sharing my story, right? Because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of our testimony, we share a story. Do you understand that one of the greatest ways you can say thank you to God for what he's done in your life is tell other people what he's done in your life? Share it, don't hide that. Like we're, we're, we as people are pre-programmed to share good news. It's just what we do. We, you, if you have a kid, you're not like, oh, no, I'm ashamed, I shouldn't tell anybody about my kid. No, you wanna share. You had a grandkid, like you're like, open your wallet up, like showing the, swiping the pictures, right? We are pre-programmed to share good news. Share the best thing that's ever happened in your life. One of the best ways I say thank you to God, to God for what he's done in my life is I tell other people about him. I, I, I lift up his name in prayer with my lips. And listen, one of the things that's super important for me is, is our worship, is we sing loud. Like we worship loud, we worship big. My, my church knows this about me. One of my pet peeves is, is when we watch the worship team this is so funny. I know, I know you guys don't get this perspective because you're looking this way, but if, if, imagine this, okay? You're, you're pouring your heart out in worship, and then this is you. Jesus, I love you so much. <laughs> right? One of, favorite, one of my favorite stories, and I hear this a lot, one of my favorite stories is when people are new to a church or maybe they don't know Jesus And as the pastor, I usually catch them like a month later, like after they've been coming. And I'm like, hey, I always ask, how did you find the church and why did you stick? Why did you stick? And one of the stories that I hear a lot is this, and I love this, guys, and I wanna challenge you with this. I challenge everybody with this. (sighs) Is people will say, hey, honestly, I'm not even a believer. I'm curious, I'm curious. But the reason why I stayed is because when everybody was singing, they don't know to call it worship, by the way. It said when everybody was singing, here's what they say. They looked like they believed it. They looked like they believed it. And this is my thing, guys. This is my just own personal conviction. I think when we worship, we should actually worship like the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. And I know we all come from different denominations and cultural backgrounds and all that sort of stuff, but I just wanna encourage you, what what a gift it would be to your worship team, what a gift it would be to Pastor CJ the next time he's back in here. He's like, whoa, everybody's worshiping like the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. What happened to you guys? You could say, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful to God. And there's this giant thank you. This begun coming out of my life. Thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. I can't speak for everybody else. I don't know about the other nine lepers. I don't know about everybody else, but as far as me and my house are concerned, we're gonna thank God. And guys, what would happen if we actually began saying thank you with our love, with our life, and with our lips? What if we actually became a real deal thankful people? I'm always challenged by this thought. If you only had today what you thank God for yesterday, what would you have? If you only had tomorrow what you said, thank you to God for today, what would you have? Are we really a thankful people? Guys, the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. The leprosy of our soul has been healed. Thank you, God, thank you, God. Can we just pause on that thought? Can we just pause on that thought and just allow the memory of the goodness of God, what he's done, who he is, how he's touched us, how he's saved us, how he's healed us to begin washing over our lives, coming back to our memory. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 150. It's super short. I just want to say it. Here it is. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbler and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipes. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we do this, guys, across all of our campuses? If you're able, won't we stand up to our feet? I just want to have an opportunity here as we close. You know, I would almost say this. I would almost say, if you feel comfortable, raise your hand. I don't care if you're comfortable or not. <laughs> we need raise. If you're able, come on, can we just do this? I know this may be foreign to some of you. What this is, is just saying, God, thank you. Thank you, God. I'm not gonna allow the opinion of the person on my left or my right to hold back my gratitude to God. God, I'll lift up my hands in the sanctuary because you're worthy. Come on, family, can we just start praising God? Can you just thank God? Just with your lips, with your love, with your life, can just wait, wait. what has God done for you? Come on, let's just, let's have 60 seconds right here. God, thank you. God, thank you for enough health to take another breath. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for our pastor. God, thank you for salvation. God, thank you for healing us of the leprosy of our soul. God, I know this. I was untouchable. I was sinful. I was wretched. I had to call out unclean everywhere I went. But the mercy and the kindness of King Jesus touched my life. And his blood forgave my sins. And the spirit filled me with new life. And since the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive, we can leave the grave behind us too. Death no longer has any hold on our lives. We are a free people. Heaven is our home. God is our father. Eternal life is ours. God, you've made us whole. You've given us shalom. Thank you for peace. God, you've adopted us. You've redeemed us. You've saved us. You've brought us into the family of God. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from God. Here's what I know, family. There's some of us that just over the last few minutes it was, we've been reintroduced to these two words, maybe maybe God just began kind of putting his hand on that and saying, hey, I'm challenging you to be more thankful in this next season. If that's you, I wanna pray with you. Also, I also wanna pray with some of our friends and family here tonight, who the leprosy of the soul is still on you because your sins are still on you because you've never thrown your life into the life of Jesus. Here's what I wanna do. I I want I want us to pray together. And family of God around you is gonna pray with you. I just wanna pray with you like this. Maybe you can repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, today I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. So right now I turn from my sin I repent, I walk away from the darkness into the light. Right now, I receive the forgiveness of my sins because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I am free, I am clean, I am healed, and I am whole. God is my Father, I'm his child forevermore. And it's all because of Jesus. And can we just say these two words together? Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.